Welcome to the third edition of the Old Mutual Unit Trust's Fearless and Financially Free podcast series. Today we're chatting to our financial experts, Pat Magadla, who is the Senior Business Development Manager at Old Mutual Investment Group, and Nasira Turkey, who is a financial coach, independent advisor, and the CEO of Azuri Capital. All right, we are speaking about being fearless and financially free. Our focus and theme is Generation Now, Investing and Instant Gratification. Hello, ladies. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Hi, Sichaba. All right. Let's break this down. Generation now and us linking it to instant gratification. Who is this generation and who are we talking to right now? Thanks, Sichaba. So we're focusing on the millennial demographics. So these are people that were born from 1980. And I think one of the things that we often forget when we talk about this demographic, you know, historically, we've always said, oh, but they're so young and they're broke anyway. Why do we even focus on them? But that's actually not the case, because what the oldest millennial is turned 40. Mm. You know, so these are people that are, you know, young executives that are young professionals in the world of work. And if you look from a global perspective, you know, the world population the last data I read is estimated to, to be about seven to eight billion people. Millennials are making up 30% of the global population. So this is a, a, a demographic and a force to be reckoned with. And they're actually increasingly becoming a very powerful world consumer force. You know, these are young people that are comfortable with spending on lifestyle items and spending in pursuit of their passions. Mm. These are the people that, you know, believe that I need to live for now. You know, I need to enjoy my life, but they still do care about tomorrow. Mm. So mm. the way they, they operate, the way they, they spend and transact is very different to how their parents operated. They care about money in terms of I work to live mm. with, versus their parents who were more espousing the notion of you live to work. So for them, you know, me generating an income as a millennial is to finance my interests, is to finance my traveling, is to finance my love for being a, a, a surfboarder. Is that necessarily a bad thing? Not at all. Not at all. I think mm. it's just challenging the way people think about money and challenging the way people spend their money. And it's a challenge for us in the industry, you know, as someone who works for a mutual investment group the way we design products, the way we design how this demographic can interact with those products because it's not the status quo anymore. So don't be surprised, you know, when we're talking about millennials, this is not a demographic that we should actually mistake their zest for life for a lack of urgency. It is a demographic that is actually financially savvy, you know, through our old mutual savings and investments monitor, one of the things that we picked up is that, you know, this is a generation that knows how to maximize their reward programs. They know how to be savvy mm. with money and how to get the best out of something. Mm. And they challenge mm. the fees that you charge them on their banking account. So they're not a silly generation that just consumes, but they are very smart. But they want to enjoy their life and maximize the opportunities they have right now. Thank you, Pat. There are misconceptions, though, around around millennials and, and them thinking about their financial future. Naz, why are these misconceptions there? Why do we think that in terms of their finances, they're not really clued up, they're not really uh, invested in having the conversations that we're having today? 
I think, you know, like your theme said, instant gratification. Mm. They are of a different breed completely, you know, to your mom, your dad, or myself, for example. I am a mom to two young millennials, and they're completely, completely different. So I think the balance between the old generation or, you know, you say the 40 plus compared to the 40 below is that they think of investing not just, you know, for a long-term perspective. They see that... That travel is an investment, mm. you know, seeing the world, mm. enjoying, you know, the, the what they've worked towards. Uh, and, and I think, you know, where the older generation would look at it that I need to save for the next 10 years mm. to have that holiday. They would say, listen, can't I cut that pie in a couple of slices? Mm. I take that short break holiday, have that one week abroad and I can still save for tomorrow, but I won't save as much. That would be the difference. I guess balance is key, but when I think of my younger brother and his view on finances, his view on investing, his view on financial security, he'll be coming through to me telling me about cryptocurrencies. I'm sitting here thinking, what on earth is going on, you know? So they're not really into the traditional means of of investing. Do you think them not being sort of invested in the traditional means of investing and seeing finances is a bad thing? I'll start with you, Pat. Not at all, Sichaba. You know, these are what we need to understand is this generation, they call them the digital natives. So they were born in the era of things being online. So it's not surprising that even when they look at asset classes, when they think of their own investment portfolios, they'll look beyond the traditional. We recently had a survey that we were looking at that showed that as much as 35% of millennials, to attest to what you're saying about your younger brother, are investing Mm. in cryptocurrency. And I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But what's key and what's fundamental is that you need to always remember investing the basics remain. Whether you're a millennial or you're a 60-year-old or a 70-year-old, it's about not putting your eggs in one basket. So that diversification factor is still important. So if you're still going to be putting some of your money in the crypto pot, that's okay. But you still need to be putting money in other asset classes, be it property, Mm. be it listed shares, you need to be having different investment so vehicles. Diversifying. Diversify is still important. And I mean, the way we look at cryptocurrency, it's a fact. It's a very volatile investment vehicle or investment option. So if you're going to be putting in something that's that volatile, there's an element of speculation that comes into it. And there's no harm in speculating. A lot of people have created mm-hmm. wealth by having some exposure speculative assets, be it a company, you buying, you know, Uber 10 years ago when nobody thought people would ever leave their cars and take a taxi. You can actually say that was an element of speculation. But if you're going to be speculating, maybe don't be putting 20% of your wealth in a speculation pot. Mm. Maybe put as little as 5%. So there is no harm in in actually investing in some of these non-traditional investment vehicles, but it boils down to the basics of investing and the basic fundamentals still diversify. Don't put all your money in that one crypto pot. Thank you, Pat. Nez, how can Generation Now diversify? I think the key would be is that I have a lot of clients that are millennials. Mm. And I think what I tell them or my advice to them is that if you have money that you are willing to lose... By all means, have a crypto, have, um, you know, currency trading. That you're willing to lose. Was willing to lose. Okay. Okay. Because that's the volatility. Mm. You know, as much as you can make, you need to be realistic that that is much you can lose. Yeah. So, you know, again, we go down to the instant gratification mm-hmm. where I'm going to make a huge amount of money. But at the same time, there's a huge possibility that I'm going to lose all of my money and bring in the balance 
do the crypto, but also have a traditional kind of investment. You know, do the unit trust, do the property, do the diversification. And I think that's what millennials need to come to terms with, that yes, you can have all of it. And that's what they like. They like to hear the fact that they can have it all. But I think within the limits of what is your affordability, don't extend yourself to something that you cannot afford. You know, don't put yourself into that hot water. From a financial space, I need to be very conscious to teach them, to educate them, mm. that have that balance in your portfolio so that you also have something for tomorrow. Even if that tomorrow is a short tomorrow. You know, they don't look to the future the way we look to the future. And I think we need to understand that as financial advisors, that their thinking is completely different. And you need to adjust your financial advice and your thinking pattern to what they are looking for. But you also need to be very conscious in teaching them, advising them and educating them that there are certain things that you can take risks with. Mm -hmm. And there are certain types of investments that you shouldn't be risking on. And, and I think investing wisely, but at the same time, investing in what suits you mm. for your future. All right. Uh, touching on instant gratification, Pat, I think let's speak about luxury items. You know, there's conversations around this age group from time to time, and not all of them. Some of them are very financially savvy. Some, some of them are clued up. But conversations around luxury items and the debate of if I buy that Louis Vuitton or if I buy that Givenchy bag, is that a form of investing? So yeah, that's a it's a very good question. I think before I even <laughs> go and address it, I think I'm sort of asking for a, a, a circle of friends. Actually, <laughs> you're asking for a friend. I know you're asking for a friend, each other. Um, but I think let's go back to what is a classic definition of investing. So I think as much as the world has moved on and is evolving, and we're now living in this digital era, there's some basics, thankfully, that are still remain the same. So what is investing? Investing is essentially you allocating money into a particular asset or into a particular item with the expectation that in the future, that particular item or that particular asset is going to grow in value. So essentially, you want to make a profit from that item. So let's look at your traditional share. When you select a particular company share or a company stock, you do your research upfront. You first understand what is this company doing? What is their game plan? You know, do I feel that in the next 5, 10, 15 years, this company is going to be growing? And if the answers to that is yes, I'm very comfortable. They've got a very good solid market that they've just tapped into or the product that they put out there is in demand. This is a good company to back. I'm going to put my money. I'm going to buy that share. That's a good investment. Mm -hmm. And I think as much as we also talk about shares, you know, every share is not a rip roaring buy. Certain shares, if you ask those same questions and, you know, is this a good company? Is there a growth trajectory? Is there a, a big distribution market for their product? If the answers are no, then that's not a good share to buy. You wouldn't buy that share. So let's take that same, those same questions, that same principle to your Louis Vuitton bag. So you go, you buy this expensive Louis Vuitton bag, you bought it. And you're using it. And we know that with that usage, the appearance will start to deteriorate over time. And Absolutely. you decide in 10 years' time, I want to sell this Louis Vuitton bag. Can you confidently answer that in 10 years' time, when I sell my bag, I'm actually going to make a profit from it? The probability, Sichaba, is that you're probably not going to make mm. a profit. You know, you might be lucky mm. and still make money because it's, it is a high luxury item ban. But in terms of making a profit, the answer is probably not. So for me, that Louis Vuitton bag was a fantastic, luxurious item that you acquired 
for your personal lifestyle use. You enjoyed it, hopefully, but it wasn't an investment vehicle. Let's call it what it is. It was a bag that I absolutely enjoyed having. Thank you, Naz. And what would you like to add to that? Can I please add to that? (laughs) (laughs) You're dying. I am. (laughs) Because I have clients that have Louis Vuitton accounts with me. Because they used to buy Louis Vuitton handbags. And I changed their mindset to say, instead of investing in that handbag, you own one. It's not to say that you don't own one. Mm. Let's start investing that money into an investment. And let's see the compound effect of Mm, that. mm. So like Pat had pointed out, what would be the depreciating value of that handbag because of the years? So 10 years down the line, you would have an old handbag, but I would give you a compounding effect on the investment that you've given me. Mm. So if you spend 25,000 rands and over that 10-year period, I could give you a compounding effect where that investment could be worth over 150,000 rands. Your handbag's not going to give you that, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Absolutely. To, to just add to what Naz is saying, I mean, even better, one-up yourself. Go buy shares in Louis Vuitton. Own, I knew you were going to say that, Own Pat. a portion of That's that a company. Very answer. <laughs> yes. So now when your very friends come point. and they're showing you your Louis Vuitton bag, you tell them, I own a part of that I've company. I've got shares. Equity. Yes. Equity. That's, That's the key. <laughs> Ladies, why should millennials prioritize investing long-term instead of just short-term? Pat, I'll start with you. So when you invest, essentially you're giving your capital the best possible opportunity to grow. So if you want to be creating that wealth, you want to be exposed mm. to those growth assets, your shares, your bonds, your property. So as the markets you know, grow, your money is actually growing and you're able to create, create that wealth. And I think you know, one of the biggest advantages that you have if you're a millennial is that you've got time on your side. So if you, you know, we're saying the oldest millennials, what, 40, 20, 41, you've got plenty of time to reap the benefit of compound interest. So with that investing and with that time in the market, you actually have a higher probability of achieving whatever your investment goal is. So that's something that you need to be considering as a millennial. And I think a unit trust, again, is another powerful investment vehicle that you can consider tapping into. Because you don't need large sums of money to be getting exposure to that Louis Vuitton Mm -hmm. share if that's what you want to be looking for. And it also gives you flexibility where if some unforeseen circumstance comes and you want to access your funds, you can actually also access them. So you need to think long term. And I think one of the realities that a millennial needs to be so mindful of, Sichaba, is the fact that they're going to live much longer than their parents. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to live a decade, Mm -hmm. if not longer, more than their mom and dad. So your money needs to work that much harder, which is why thinking long-term investing is crucial. Mm, absolutely, Ness. So I'm going to give you a little example of my own household. So I have two young millennials. My son is an attorney and uh, very risky, where he has chosen uh, to invest from, I think, grade 10. You know, he would bring me money every every wow. time he would do a part-time job. Wow. He said, I watched you speak to clients wow. on a day-to-day basis as a young man. So I would like to have, so he would give me all his money and I would say, listen, I'd only take 50% off it. So if it's 500 rand, give me 250. Okay. As a mom, I would top it up. And so he's been saving since he was in grade 10. But now, he's a different kind of millennial compared to my daughter, where he would want a share portfolio. He would want the, you know, a, a different kind of a risk appetite compared to what my daughter, w- w- you know, would take when she started her career. And I think that's where I see the difference in millennials by having two in my home and, and see their 
thinking patterns of how they look at savings. Mm. So he he did that for a year, two years, and then he started committing to you know what I think I need a little bit more. Okay, can I can I look at the tax free investment? Can I look at something that's a little bit more stable? I've got the share portfolio, I've got the crypto. Now I'm looking for something else. Mm. Where my daughter, on the other hand, she's a young professional, a teacher. She comes in and says, "Listen, I'm not into crypto." I'm not into instant gratification. I want a long-term view. Mm. I feel as a woman I'm going to live way too long. I'm also going to be a caregiver, so sooner or later I'm going to be a mom in a couple of years time. I'm not going to have enough money as what I have right now to invest in me. Mm. So she's taken out a retirement plan, she's taken out a unit trust. She has a small share portfolio of what she could afford during this period of time, but she knows her lifestyle is going to change mm. and her income bracket is going to change according to maybe she might want to work half day or whatever. So you see as a millennial, there's a different thinking pattern. Even though she would like the Louis Vuitton handbag, but she's a little bit more headstrong in I want a plan today. Absolutely. I want and to she start. has Naz as a mommy, so <laughs> um you know, she's she's been soaking all of this in from from very early exactly. in her life. Yeah. All right, ladies, I think this last question hit home because it's a little personal. Your first paycheck as you enter the working world as a young adult. My family, my household, I'm from, I wouldn't say a traditional household, but traditional in a sense. So there was this tradition in my household where first paycheck, you hand it over to your mom or your uncle or your grandfather. And I loathed that <laughs> because I was like, First paycheck, I'm thinking, this is my way into the world. I'd like to go buy a handbag. I'd like to maybe go away for a weekend with my sister. And I think for young adults entering the the, the working world, um, they're not thinking that far ahead in terms of investing, in terms of saving, in terms of what lifestyle will I lead financially. So what's your advice to that young adult entering the working world in terms of their first paycheck or at least their first couple of paychecks? Pat, I'll start with you. Yeah, Sichaba, I mean, you you actually just brought back memories of my first paycheck. <laughs> and and in our community, you're right. That's what happens. You give it to your mom. Did they have that rule with they you? They also had it. Um, <laughs> but for me, like what they actually then did is that a portion of that, they put it away for you. And it helped me when I wanted to fund my car. Yes. So different families do it very differently. And you need to be mindful of those existing traditions that are in your family. But for me, what a privilege or an honor if you're starting out in the world and you've just received your first paycheck you're starting on a clean mm. blank mm. slate you know and for me it goes back to this is not glamorous chaba this is dull boring and there she goes again but it's your budget burst your bubble it's uh, your budget uh. the cornerstone to your healthy finances what's going to set you up for your future is you need to know how much am i bringing in where am i spending every rand tracking where you're spending every rand and that way you're able to actually see where you're overspending where you could actually be trimming back and that gives you that that confidence or that security to be putting money away so before you actually spend sit down draw up all of your priorities if you have to be helping sadly we live in an era where some people are helping are still helping at home with that first paycheck their mm, parents might mm, be relying mm. on that money but you can't help your family if you don't understand how much you actually have to work with. You know, so don't, in your attempt to try help your family, you also then sink your boat. So understand what are your priorities? Mm. What is my rent looking like? Transport fees. Now we're working from home. I need to get data every month. I need medical aid. So do that budget so that you actually understand what you've got to work with. And you're in a privileged position because 
prevention is always better than cure. So if you can start by actually being able to balance your finances, then you're on a very good standing. And I mean, when we talk budget, the simple rule of thumb is the 50, 30, 20 principle. So 50% mm. of your budget is going towards your needs. You need shelter. You need food. You need transport. 30% is going towards your wants. So budget is not about, mm. you know, you must live this miserable monk life where you can't enjoy life. Absolutely not. That's not what we're saying. Absolutely. So mm. if it's in the plan, then you can have it. That 30% is your wants. I want to go to the gym. I want to go to the restaurants. I want to subscribe for, for Netflix or have the lattes. And you deserve it. And you deserve mm. it. Budget for it. Because this is a long journey. You know, you need to enjoy that, that long journey. And then the 20%, this is the exciting part for someone who's starting out. The 20% goes towards your debts or your savings. So if you're starting out and you're fortunate enough to not have any debt, what's a pleasure? Because it means that 20% is fully going towards your savings. And as you build your savings and they get bigger, you've now reached a stage where you can approach the likes of Nazira and say, I want to actually invest some of this money for my future. So if you can have that budget and if you can be disciplined with your budget, you're actually starting a very good habit that's going to set you apart to many South Africans out there. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Naz, for those starting to enter the working world, what should they do with their first paycheck or at least first couple of paychecks? I think your spending habits, mm. you know, sets the tone for you. So if you went out and, and your first paycheck went on a glamorous holiday or an expensive handbag, you're setting the tone for bad spending habits. Mm. So I think, you know, like Pat had uh, pointed out, a budget, a budget, a budget. But I think you also need to definitely apply the 50-30-20 rule. Mm. That's part of my business. That is a necessity in every single person's paycheck and I think if you do that you actually bringing yourself to a not not just a balance of a portfolio but a balance of a lifestyle so you don't feel like you know people do think that they overspend on saving you know I save too much I don't love my life mm. so what happens you end up spending too much to love your life so I think if you have that balance in terms of looking at opportunities on where you can invest your money but but at the same time still have your lifestyle just don't go overboard in terms of your lifestyle I think as a millennial you know you need to think about tomorrow mm. if there's anything that I I could leave you with you know that would be is budget for tomorrow i know that you want to enjoy today but we have unforeseen circumstances we are living through a different era completely as individuals as families and we have commitments so we need to have some sort of i think accountability to what you own you've worked very hard you're professional you're earning a decent income make that income work for you at the end of the day I love it. And in closing, ladies, what would you like to say to generation millennials? I'll start with you, Pat. So, Sichaba, I think, you know, this generation faces probably the most uncertain economic future of perhaps any generation uh, through history. Mm. Because we're living in an era where job security no longer exists compared to their parents. Mm. You know, when, when mm. we grew up, I remember watching my, my aunts and my uncles. They would work in one job for their entire life. And they would work until the day they collect their pension at age 60, whatever the case is. And there was never talk of retrenchment. There was never talk of downsizing. Mm. That's not the case anymore. And then add to the pot the fact that now we live in a technology era. A lot of jobs are increasingly being taken over by technology. So many mm. of the millennials are working in your freelance or your gig economies. 
where, yes, that's fantastic. It gives them freedom to move around and explore all the different talents that they have. But unfortunately, the downside of that is that they don't have any employer benefits that full-time employed Mm -hmm. people have. So they need to make plans and concessions for that. You know, they're also living in an era where assets like property, I mean, I was looking, we've got a, a millennial in my family who's just started working a year ago and he was thinking of buying property and we were looking and one bed places were going for a million. I mean, that's shocking. It's ridiculous. It's insane. Yeah. Who can afford that? You know, so they're living in an mm. era where to actually just get on that property ladder is that much more unattainable. And a lot of them are then opting to live at home. So you're entering a sluggish job market. You know, people don't mm. get those big inflation plus five, inflation plus eight salary increases that they used to get 10 years ago. You know, and you're entering on that backdrop. There's so much that's working against you. So although you are talented, the world is your oyster. You need to think of your future because that certainty, that security that your parents had is not the same. It doesn't exist in your current world. And I think also, mm. sadly, Sichaba, and I need to put this, you know, in this discussion this generation is more educated than the previous generation. But unfortunately, many of these educated millennials are starting out with student loan debts. You know, we mm, saw it with mm, our very mm. own fees must fall movement. So with all of those complexities, you know, that are just working against you, you can't just think of today. Yes, enjoy today. Have live the best life that you can, but live it within your means. Don't live above your means and mm. think of, investing in a well-diversified portfolio so that you can set yourself up for the future. Because remember, you don't want to think about this, but you're probably going to live until 120. So yeah, keep that in mind. (laughs) (laughs) Well articulated. Thank you, Pat. And Naz, what are your closing thoughts? I think, you know, definitely you've got to think of the bigger picture. Uh, We are living in turbulent times. Unfortunately, this generation has seen things that no other generation has seen before. And the job losses, the retrenchments and all of the other things that come with it. But it also family responsibilities. Because remember, as a millennial, you might have lost a dad. You might have lost a a, a mum. You might have lost a grandparent that now... Generational baggage as well. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, so now you've got to come to the party and assist those families and, and take on that extra responsibility. So you need to be very conscious of your financial well-being. As much as you may want to think and believe that you can do it all, you need to have a financial advisor holding your hand. Mm. You need to have a financial coach coaching you and making sure that you have the correct plan to get to that future frontier, as I call it. And the reason for that is what you do today will definitely have a rippling effect for tomorrow. And and I think as individuals and as young people, you need to understand that each action has a reaction. And, and what you do today will definitely play part in the bigger role of life. And I think investing is one of those choices that if you make from a very young age, you actually give yourself good discipline tips for you, you know, and then Obviously, when you grow your family, you're going to be able to give those same tips to the young ones that's coming after you. So I think it sets the tone for an overall picture of a rounded well-being, but as a millennial, thinking not just for today, but thinking beyond. 
Thank you. Well put. Thank you so much, ladies. Um, we've officially come to the end of the third edition of the Old Mutual Unit Trust's Fearless and Financially Free podcast series. Uh, we're talking to Generation Now, and the theme is investing and instant gratification. We have been in conversation with Pat Magadla, who is the Senior Business Development Manager at Old Mutual Investment Group, and Nazira Turkey, who is a financial coach and independent advisor and the CEO of Asuri Capital. Thank you so much, ladies. And do look out for our next podcast. Old Mutual. Do great things every day. Old Mutual Unit Trust Managers is an approved collective investment schemes manager and can be contacted for their fees and charges.